Welcome to Let's Clear the Air, a podcast sponsored by the Allergy, Asthma, and Sinus Center, dedicated to educating listeners about allergies, asthma, and immunology. Good afternoon, Dr. Green. Thank you again for joining me. I know our last episode, we talked a little bit about you and who you are. So super excited just to have you back on the show today um, to kind of dive a little deeper about asthma. Um, It is in our name, Allergy, Asthma, and Sinus Center. So just kind of curious about what asthma patients and what you're seeing in office. Sure. We see a lot of asthma patients in our practice. Uh, and we have a lot of uh, patients who seek us out for evaluation, but also we see a lot of patients as referrals, either from their primary care physicians um, or from pulmonology sometimes. So we, we really see a lot of patients. Um, a lot of patients who have underlying asthma will have allergies. Um, so what we do with patients when they first come in is do just a really thorough Um, evaluation of their history, when their symptoms started, what triggers their symptoms, um, does this even sound like it's consistent with asthma. Um, But then we do do testing. We can do pulmonary function testing. um, And then for most patients, it's also very appropriate to do allergy testing to see if we can identify environmental triggers um, that go along with having some hyper-responsiveness or inflammation in the upper and lower airways. Um, So that's really where it all starts when patients come to the office. Yeah, what can you tell me in the episode, of course, about a PFT and what is that? We do sort of some basic spirometry in the office to look uh, at, at certain measurements of Uh, able to blow out a certain amount of air within the first few seconds. Asthma is an obstructive airway process, so inflammation in those small airways really prohibits patients from being to move air out of their lungs as well as they should. You can kind of think of this as a similar uh, type of process that happens with COPD where patients get air trapping in their lungs, but one of the biggest Uh, differences between the two is that asthma is for the most part a reversible process so we can give patients a bronchodilator or something that temporarily helps open up those small airways and we'll see a big improvement in their scores Um, so that's something that patients have done in the office is they they may do these pulmonary function testing uh, and we give them a bronchodilator or a nebulized form of these medicines in the office and then repeat these scores several minutes later to see if we can identify a very specific percentage of improvement in those numbers. And that's one way that we can definitively say, yes, this person meets criteria for asthma. We don't always see that on the initial tests, uh, and sometimes we just demonstrate improvement in those numbers if we put them on an appropriate medicine and we have them come back several weeks later. Um, but that's one of the first steps that we would look at. That's great. So are you talking about like a rescue inhaler at the very first visit or do you like to bring them back in office and do a checkup before you do that? It really depends on how severe their symptoms are. So if someone says, you know, every now and then I'll have shortness of breath when I exercise or, you know, once or twice a month, I may have some shortness of breath or a cough that wakes me up from sleep. Cold air in the winter time. You know, if I, if I go outside in the winter time and I go for a walk, I get tight in my chest when I breathe in cold air. If it's, if it's really 
intermittent, intermittent symptoms, um, it might be appropriate for those patients to just have a rescue inhaler like albuterol. And I'll tell them, you know, keep track of how often you feel like you need to use this. If it's consistently more than a couple of times a week, we may need to have a discussion about putting you on a maintenance therapy every day. Now, on the other hand, if patients come in and they say, I can't walk up two flights of steps without feeling tight in my chest and short of breath, or every time I go outside in the summertime and I breathe in the pollen, I get really tight in my chest. And, and coupled that history with, with some low scores on their breathing test, those may be patients that we just go ahead and start them on a daily inhaler uh, and have them come back in a couple of weeks and, and repeat their scores, see how they've responded symptomatically, and then kind of take it from there. Okay, so a patient that I'm um, just trying to get the grasp of it but if a patient was having these symptoms very often then you start looking into doing more of the steroid inhaler so what kind of types are you talking about when you mention the steroids so the maintenance therapy or the mainstay of therapy of true asthma mm -hmm. is going to be an inhaled corticosteroid so okay. those are going to be things like flovent or fluticasone um Def, def, uh, budesonide would mm -hmm. be another one uh, that's a generic. There are multiple inhaled steroids that are available by themselves, uh, but then they also come in combination with long-acting bronchodilators or long-acting forms of albuterol, um, as well as uh, long-acting forms of things like um, Spiriva or, or anticholinergic medications. So there are really just a lot of options that are available for patients depending on their history, depending on the severity of their symptoms, the frequency of their symptoms, um, and we, we try to really use the, the appropriate stepwise approach for how we escalate therapy, um, and that requires having patients come back uh, sometimes fairly frequently in those first few uh, months so that we can keep a close eye on their symptoms and how they're responding to therapy. And can anyone get asthma? Is that something that can happen at any time or does this start mainly in their childhood? It can be variable. So we have patients who will have asthma in childhood uh, and then it seems to kind of get better when they're a teenager and then now they're in their 20s or 30s and they're starting to have asthma symptoms again. Um, there are patients who have asthma develop as an adult. Uh, so it really could develop at any point in your lifetime and just because you didn't have asthma um, as a child or didn't have diagnosed asthma as a child doesn't mean that you couldn't have it as an adult. That's very interesting. So whenever those medications aren't doing the trick and someone is not controlled, what is the next step? So if we had patients uh, on appropriate inhaled therapies for their asthma and they were adherent to these, they use their medicines consistently, and they're still feeling very symptomatic or they're still needing frequent doses of albuterol, they're still needing to use um, oral steroids or get a steroid shot because they're, they're symptomatic, what we would consider at that point would be to put them on what we call a biologic. Um, and those are really a big step up from the inhaled therapies, but they're necessary um, for a lot of patients and they're very effective. 
Um, those consist of getting a shot of a medicine and there are different ones that are available depending on what is driving the asthma symptoms um, for the patient. So some of these therapies are given once a month, some are given um, every eight weeks, some are given every two weeks. It really just depends on the individual patient, what we think is going to be most effective based on their testing uh, and, and to some extent based on um, what they prefer. If they prefer mm-hmm. to do a shot every two weeks that can be done at home or if they prefer to do something that's a little bit more spaced out but that they would have to come to the office for. Okay. So for someone that has asthma or undiagnosed asthma, they may see irritants that bother them or like you said, allergens that bother them. So would you do the allergy skin testing in office as well with an asthma patient? We do. It depends on if they're having wheezing at the time of their visit. Um, because we would never want to put allergy skin tests on a patient who's having an active flare of a respiratory problem. It's unlikely for patients to have an allergic reaction from skin testing, but if they did, we wouldn't want them to already have compromised lung function and have wheezing on exam. So if at their initial visit they were having a really bad flare, um, what I would typically do is treat the patient for um, presumably an asthma exacerbation uh, and then have them come back in a couple of weeks once they've gotten uh, their symptoms under better control and then we could talk about doing skin testing at that visit. Okay, what are some irritants? Because of course right now we're, we're still in the heat of summer, mm-hmm. almost to fall. Um, what are some of those things that asthma patients are probably noticing bothering them at this time? So as far as irritants, cigarette smoke, by and large, huge irritant, um, and it's it's a little surprising to me how many patients come in complaining of cough or wheezing or chest tightness who are still smoking. That's mm-hmm. the first thing to, to get out. Um, when we're in the summer like this and the humidity is high and the air is more stagnant, um, pollutants from exhaust, from vehicle exhaust, um, those are things that are going to be very triggering to patients with asthma. And if you watch the news, they have the, uh, they have what zone we're in, you know, orange Mm -hmm. or, uh, whatever the air quality conditions are for the day. It's important to pay attention to those as far as allergens that trigger symptoms for patients with allergic asthma pollens are a big outdoor allergen mold spores are a big one outside we have mold in the air pretty much 365 days a year inside it's going to be things like dust mites in pillows mattresses and carpet um, as well as indoor pets for people who have cats or dogs Um, so we are able to determine those things by doing the allergy testing that's amazing of course you know this illness of covid is still going on and we don't know how long it's going to be going on for, but wanted to ask a little bit about these um, lung issues that people are having after they, they get the virus. Is that typically asthma patients that are getting those lung issues or is it just anyone that's had COVID? It can really be anyone who has had severe COVID, particularly if they had pneumonia associated with COVID. One of the things that we predicted early on is that asthma patients were probably going to be higher risk for pulmonary complications from COVID infection. 
And what we found is that really didn't seem to be the case if they had well-controlled asthma. So patients that were using their inhaled therapies um, have done pretty well long-term from a COVID standpoint. The patients who get really sick, who require um, intubation, meaning they're having to be put on a breathing tube in the ICU, who have pneumonia, those are the patients primarily who are having long-term pulmonary complications from COVID. Um, and our pulmonary colleagues are primarily the ones that are managing those patients long-term. And we're getting further out now, um, and we're having a little bit better long-term data about what those patients can expect. But everybody has to just understand this is still a relatively new illness and a new diagnosis, and there just aren't going to be answers to what these patients are going to look like, you know, five years down the road, 10 years down the road. It's a very interesting topic. I know we've heard about it. We talked about it earlier. So thank you so much for just kind of touching on that. Um, going back to these asthma patients um, who play sports, are you making sure they have their inhalers at school? I mean, school's back in session. Is that, as a physician, when you see someone as an asthma patient, you make sure they have their inhaler, correct? We do. We fill out school forms so that um, our, our patients can have access to their inhalers at school. Um, if they're a little older, sometimes it's appropriate for them to be able to carry it, you know, in their backpack mm -hmm. or in their pocket. For our younger patients, it's kept either with the school nurse or with, with their teacher in the classroom. Um, but they do have access to their inhaler at school. And you would call this an asthma action plan? Yes. We fill, help them fill that out. Um, and then the schools are... Are, are generally really helpful at making sure we have the correct forms for their school uh, and, and touching base with us if they feel like the students are using their inhaler too frequently. Great. Well, thank you so much, Dr. Green, for going a little in-depth with me today. Um, you can always schedule an appointment with Dr. Green. She has open availability, and she is at our Oak Ridge office, South Knoxville office. She goes to Corbin, Kentucky, and she is also in Madisonville and Wise Garber. Thank you all again for listening today and thank you Dr. Green. We will see you next time on an episode of Let's Clear the Air. We hope you've enjoyed this episode of Let's Clear the Air. Please consider following this podcast and remember, if you want helpful and accurate information about allergies and asthma, our allergy experts are here to clear the air.